and welcome to another episode of In Goal Radio, the podcast. I'm your host, Darren Millard, and in this NHL pause and dealing with cancellations uh, throughout the hockey world, we continue to bring you knowledge, gear insight, and general uh, perusing and opinions uh, from the goaltending world. Joined by In Goal Magazine co-founders David Hutchison and Kevin Woodley. Gentlemen, everybody's safe and sound from the lower mainland out to Vancouver Island. Doing very well out here. It's another beautiful day in paradise. Um, well, not really paradise when everybody's shut in, is it? Uh, fortunately for us, things are going pretty well. And uh, on the in-goal front, they're also going well. We're nice to see nice to see more people joining us every day over at in-goal premium. And, and Kevin and I, uh, with a few other projects on hiatus now for a little while, have had a little bit more time. So the content's increasing over there as well. So yeah, a lot, a lot of good things happening now. Over here in Vancouver, I got to say social distancing is easy for me to say. Social distancing reminds me pretty much of high school. I just spent a lot of time by myself. (laughs) (laughs) That's a terrible joke. And we're supposed to be the ones making fun of you, not yourself. Self-deprecation. That's where I'm at, boys. Hey, listen. Robs us of an opportunity. Listen, our listeners can't see my hair, but my wife cut it recently. She did a pretty good job. That's where we're at. That's where we're at in Vancouver. We're ordering barber scissors through Amazon and learning how to cut hair on YouTube and then allowing me to be the guinea pig. Again, it's like high school. It's uh, awesome. And and we're a couple of weeks into this and who knows uh, how long it's going to uh, last. And uh, just to want to do our part to bring you some some entertainment and uh, a little bit of an escape from the uh, from the real world that uh, that we're all dealing with and it is global whether you're uh, in Europe whether you're in Asia or uh, here in North America today we are going to deal with uh, with a lot of uh, Russian talk as Semyon Varlamov from the New York Islanders is going to stop by the program as well as Oleg Romashenko uh, Romashko Romashenko how do you say the name well I, I don't think there's an N in there so it's just Romashko to me. Well, you know what? Uh, I've made a career out of just creating names. So, uh, Romashenko, you're right. It's uh, Oleg Romashko is uh, going to stop by, and he has a very interesting story. Uh, and I apologize uh, for butchering the name, uh, but uh, he is uh, he is a guy. And listening to this conversation with Kevin Woodley, who is a, a, a person that just has pure passion for the position and has uh, traveled the world. Uh, largely uh, spurred by his own desire to make himself better, Woody. Yeah, no, he's a fascinating guy. I met him through Ian Clark. And as you'll hear in this story, what led him to Ian Clark was pretty much just him deciding that he wanted to learn from different people and he wanted to learn from the best in the NHL. And so he asked a couple of Russian goaltenders who he knew who he could come meet. And the first opportunity didn't pan out, but they suggested another one. And so he came back over to North America, hoping to meet and learn from Ian Clark the second time around. And they did. And now they've got this relationship where he's bringing, you know, young goalies with him through his school, Plug for Goalie Masters, which is school in, is school in Russia. They do camps, I think, in Canada. Obviously, the camps here in Vancouver with Ian Clark and Columbus when, when Clarky was there. Uh, they do camps in Finland still as well. And he basically just brings them over and he gets better. He tries to get them better. It's just, you'll hear it in the interview, but just as you said, Darren, uh, I think you put it perfectly, just a desire to learn from more people and, and, and improve himself as a coach. And that led him, led him over here and has led to some fascinating stories and pretty cool uh, timing. It actually wasn't planned, but with the Islanders being in town and Varley being here, uh, he went into the locker room and talked to the kids and gave sort of a presentation on 
you know, kind of what it takes to, to get to his level and gave them a little bit of inspiration, uh, as well as, you know, some, some tips on preparation. Uh, so kind of cool timing that, that Oleg was here in Vancouver with the, with the kids, with the young goalies at the same time that Varlamov was, was here and, you know, kind of an interesting topic and one we'll get into with him, Russian goaltending. I mean, there's, you know, we've seen the hotspots over the years, Finland, Sweden, uh, Russia's it and has been for a while. You'll see Askarov as the, the first goalie picked this summer. Uh, you're seeing the success that Shesterkin has. Sorokin coming over next year is a guy you know we expect to come over next year with the Islanders, um, who's who's you know sort of on the same trajectory for immediate success. This is sort of the number one spot that NHL teams are looking for goaltending talent. And there's some interesting theories as to why, and also as you'll hear Oleg say, uh, some genuine concerns that maybe things are changing there and some of the reasons. This current generation is having so much success, could get coached out of them at too young an age. So some, some themes there that uh, are part of the interview that I think a lot of goalies and goalie coaches all over the world will find fascinating. Yeah, there's a real strong opinion on goalie coaching uh, from Romashko that you'll have to listen to because I, I think uh, for a lot of us, it, uh, it rings true in that delicate balance between coaching and being athletic and having instincts. and. Uh, uh, we deal with that during that conversation, Varlamov, uh, with what he does during the game, how he approaches it, how he deals with certain certain situations. Uh, that's also coming up. And uh, along with this podcast, you two also have something very interesting uh, coming up. Uh, I know that we're in this uh, state of uh, uh, just suspended animation and, and living uh, right now with a, with a general time of, of launching equipment uh, that everybody gets excited about and, and tries out and, and gets on the ordering bandwagon. And uh, you guys are, are going to help Bauer and, and change the, the launch approach and, and deal with uh, and expose uh, a new line of equipment. We've been talking about trying to find ways to, to bring the community together a little bit more. And um, my son has actually been doing some work with a guy who's a friend of ours and a friend of the show, Pete Fry, the goalie mindset guy, uh, has a group of kids he works with. And I say kids, peewee all the way up to pro. Um, every single day, 4.15, they're meeting on a video webinar and they do a little bit of training together. It's a chance to talk, to ask questions. You might call it a bit of a mastery group or something. And it gives them that little piece of community to come together every day. Cause I think that's one thing that we're all going to be increasingly craving is that opportunity to connect to other people. And the content is always, is always great, but that chance to actually get together and just share an experience I think is really important. So Kevin and I were talking about uh, some ways we might be able to uh, go live, so to speak uh, with our audience and, and share some of the things we're doing and just give the people a chance to come together as a, an in goal community and, not just listen, not just read, but maybe even interact a little bit and ask a few questions. And so just turns out that, uh, that this weekend is, is a fantastic time to do it, Kevin. Yeah, Bauer Ultrasonic gear is set to launch um, at some point this weekend. Uh, obviously, with everything that's going on in the world right now, uh, it was supposed to be Friday. I'm hoping that uh, we're still able to meet that. Uh, we're finishing up our review. We're really lucky we've had this stuff for almost six weeks now, uh, which meant that before everything got shut down, we were able to get it into the hands of a lot of testers uh, from beer league level right up to junior A and get some feedback from guys. It's just kind of what we we like to, that's kind of what our reviews are all about. Make sure we have a lot of voices, a lot of different opinions, guys that play at different levels. Uh, guys, It's that, your lab. 
Well, yeah, and guys that play different ways too, right? Like we used to do it a lot of it ourselves where it was just our opinion. And hey, that has some, you can do that for sure, right? Because we've learned how gear performs. We've seen the science behind it. There are, are things that we understand and can explain, but there's nothing better than getting feedback from a guy who say grew up wearing uh, you know, a soft, flexible pad. And then another guy who's been in a stiffer, um, you know, quote unquote, butterfly pad his whole life and seeing, you know, sort of who likes what, what fits what. And so that's what we try and do. And I think as Hutch said, we're going to try and this week, um, keep an eye on, on Ingo Meg and our social media channels for the specifics of how, but this week we're going to try and, um, you know, have one of these, what would you call them? A, a webinar where we go over the gear line. We share our gear. You'll be able to read the review. You'll be able to sort of ask us questions about some of the various features. We can hold it up to the camera. It's going to be a little bit sort of feel it out as we go in terms of presentation and backdrop and showing things on camera. Obviously, you've only got your sort of web camera on your computer. So, you know, there'll be me holding up the glove close and closing it and things like that. Um, we're going to try and get the guys on from Bauer, Spencer Freer to talk a little bit about the gear, maybe walk us through the customizer. So we're finalizing that for this week, but those are in the works. Um, you know, and we'll continue that moving forward. We, we don't have the gear segment right now. Uh, the hockey shop and the hockey shop.com are, are on hold with us just in terms of everything that's going on and having to, you know, shut the physical store, but you know, um, they've been such good supporters for so long. Make sure if you have some needs, they still are open online. You can check them out at the hockey shop.com. But for now, we don't have a sponsor. It doesn't mean we don't have gear. We'll start with the Bauer Ultrasonic. Hutchie, we're playing around with the CCM Access helmet that arrived this week. We'll be able to show off that mask in the near future as well. And just because some of these launches are going to be pushed back because of everything that's going on in the world, but some of them are going to proceed on time. Uh, and we're going to be right there to bring you all the details and all the sort of nitty gritty. And you know, we talked about the hockey shop suspending um, their Tendi Fest this year, unfortunately in late May. So a lot of people aren't going to have the chance to get on the ice like they have every other year to try it out in person. And that means it'll be even more important that we find interactive ways to sort of bring you the details of how the gear performs and whether it's going to suit your style. I just can't wait for you guys to launch a webinar. Just <laughs> just to see the the technical uh, elements that you guys will overcome and the challenges that you guys it will is, overcome. It is not going to look like the set that you sit in on every day, Darren. It's going to be very <laughs> rough around the edges. Uh, I, I just thought, you know, we get all sorts of questions um, sent to us by message about various lines of gear. What can you tell me about what's coming? And, and, I, and I know people enjoy the reviews that we put out, but, but I'm, I also know that people would love a chance to sit down and just ask a few questions. Um, pick, pick Woody's brain because he's really the master of all of this. And, uh, and so why not, why not see what happens? It's awesome. It's a great idea. Don't pick too deep. You might, there's not much in there. <laughs> oh, I might hit oil though. <laughs> yeah, right? Might hit something. Might, <laughs> might might get it just uh that that one mineral great uh, resource of uh of of knowledge coming there from, More from like David, an Woodley, David Hutchison. Yeah, well, that there could be that too. Uh looking forward to it. Uh make sure your screen sharing is uh turned off. I, I every now and then I do that. And and you guys see exactly what I'm doing on the screen while we're recording. Our, our podcast, but let's get into the uh, the feature interview. Uh, we have uh, a couple of uh, Russians coming your way, and we'll start with the New York Islander netminder. First year uh, with that organization, Semyon Varlamov, standing by with Kevin Woodley on In Goal Radio, the podcast. 
Is there any like phrase that you've had over the course of your career that's like a way to sort of ground yourself or root, whether it's just confidence or like like something, a key that you think about during a game? Does it change or has there ever been anything? If Pekarin had told me he has one, but it's in Finnish and he wouldn't explain it to me. Do you, you use that at all? Listen, uh, my first language is Russian. Of course, like the self-talk going on, like uh, always. I think every goalie in this in the world, like they have a self talk, a self talk. Um, even like, I mean, before the game, during the game, it's always happening. That's how you try to get yourself ready. That's how you try to recover from the bad goal. That's how you try to stay focused during the game. There's always self talk going on, always. Does it change, or do you have like are there principles? It's like, hey, this is the root, the source of my game to be in this position, or something in my stance that's always sort of a staple, or does it always evolve? Listen, we all have routines uh, before the games and during the games, and it's not just a warm up; it's a um, mental preparation. When I'm talking about the mental preparation, I mean the self talk uh, with yourself before the game, during the game. Um, everybody's different, you know. I have a lot of uh, things like going on, like before the game like during the game like uh you know just try to get yourself ready mentally before the game and then like during the game you have a game plan like a mental game plan and then you have to kind of follow the game plan can you give me a, and i know i understand if you can't but speaking to goalies and other goalies is it can you give me one example of like one little thing that you might like hey after a face-off i reset to this or something like that I mean, I just try to prepare myself uh, to play the 60 minutes. Like, no matter what, no matter what's going on out there, no matter who you play, no matter who you play against, you know, I just, um, my mindset is always the same. I go out the way, I try to outplay the other goalie. You know, I play 60 minutes. Doesn't matter, I give up a goal in the first minute, the first, like, couple of seconds, or I give up three, five goals in the, like, like two first periods. Like, my mindset is uh, the same. Um, play hard, give yourself, uh, give this uh, team the chance to win, see what happens. So I try to just go out there and play the whole game and see what happens after. That's, that's in my mind. Just kind of nice, simple messages. You're not getting complex in terms of technical or anything like that. It's just that sort of simple, basic philosophy. Yeah, something like that. Okay, I want to ask you a little bit about Russian roots and the evolution of the development over there. Obviously, you know, Oleg and a lot was made of, uh, you know, Ilya coming over. Coming over? Well, I don't know. I so, don't know either. So, um, just, I, I guess my question would be like, what was your experience growing up in terms of when you had your first goalie coach and things like that? And how, if you go back in the summers, how have you seen that evolve? Because I think there's, you know, there's a perception out there that a lot of guys maybe coming over were maybe had a little less coaching at a younger age, but now there's a lot more coaching over there. What, what do you know of it? What was your experience? Listen, I, uh, I was been lucky with the uh, coaching situation. My first head coach, uh, he gave me a lot of uh, skills uh, to become a goalie. He gave me basic stuff and then I really appreciate what he've done to me. Uh, I started playing hockey when I was eight and then I was lucky to have this, uh, uh, this guy on my side you know, um, I mean, in the beginning, it, everything was kind of the old school, like Tretiak style, because uh, Tretiak, he was a very famous uh, person and then like the best uh, goalie all the time uh, um, in Russia and then probably in the world, you know, like, uh, so everybody start like kind of learn from him um, a lot of stuff. So, I, I mean, I did the same thing with my uh, first uh, first coach. He gave me a lot of basic stuff 
And then uh, my second coach, like, uh, he was very talented too. He gave me a lot of uh, uh, things to learn um, as a young man, you know. I'm talking about the style and stuff. Like, uh, we'll learn how to play butterfly and all these things. Do you remember what age, like roughly what age? And we're still talking Russia, right? Like, yeah, as opposed we're to- still talking about Russia. And then uh, when I came here, I worked with a lot of uh, different goalie coaches. Uh, and then I always uh, been a uh, good learner. I believe uh, you can learn uh, at the age eight and then you can uh, continue to learn at the age 40. It doesn't matter. Age doesn't matter. There's always room uh, to grow. There's always room for you to learn something new. And then, uh, you know, the, the, this league is always changing. This league is always, uh, I mean, be, it become like uh, faster, better, like more skilled players, you know, and then you have to adjust your game and then you have to become a better goalie. You have to just keep working on yourself and try to get uh, better like every year. It's constant evolution, eh? Always, like always. If you stop working on yourself, you start growing, like you're done, you're out of this league. You mentioned, it's funny because you mentioned the Trejak stuff. Same with, with Alexander uh, Georgiev told me the same thing. A lot of skating, a lot of skating when he was younger. I think sometimes over here, kids are into, you know, you mentioned that second stage for you was sort of butterfly and those type of mechanics. A lot of times over here, we're seeing that taught at like seven, eight years old. They go straight into that technical stuff. Do you think there's something to the fact that there was that focus on, like you said, a little more old school, a lot of skating, a lot of movement earlier in your career rather than going straight into maybe some of that butterfly technique type stuff? Listen, when I started um, playing goal as a, as a goalie, we already know what's the butterfly. We already knew that. The, who created the butterfly? Patrick Roy with the Francois Lair in Montreal. They were the first, and it happened in, uh, in the late 80s, I believe. They started working together, and then uh, Patrick become uh, right away like one of the best goalies in the NHL. You know, we all know what happened to him. He's like... <laughs> Won the four Stanley Cups, and he's like one of the best uh, goalies all the time. And Francois Lera, I would argue, changed the position. Lera, you know, he's been uh, amazing always. Like, I worked with uh, Frankie four years. Yeah. I mean, he's been a great uh, teacher to me. I, I learned so many things from him. Different, like, things, uh, how to play butterfly. I mean, all the, go all the goalie coaches I work with, I just pick the best out of them. And then uh, just try to build, uh, I was trying to, like, just, just kind of, take everything I can from them. And then that's how I become uh, better, I think. When you go back in the summer, do you see, like, can you compare what these kids are seeing, Varley, to what you had in terms of at an early age and the structure and stuff? Like, do you see differences there? Like now? Yeah. Yeah. How much you get a chance to, you know, work with kids? 100%. I mean, goalies become better. We see more talented goalies uh, coming from Russia and playing NHL, you know? Did you take some pride in that? As being so, one of the guys that was over early and ahead of this? I just think like the the goal coach situation that become uh, much better. Like we have, uh, I'd say, more uh, goalie coaches who wants to learn and then wants to learn not just uh, around Russia, who wants to come here in North America. Like the guys that call like Romashko and then learn from the best goalies, uh, from the best goalie coaches, you know. And then uh, I think Oleg was uh, he's the first. Uh, who started doing that kind of thing, um, you know, come here and then learn from Ian Clark. And then he brings like um, all the new skills like back home and then teaching all these goalies. And then, I mean, a lot of goalies right now, like very talented goalies. I think we're going to see more, I think, Russian goalies playing NHL in the future because of that. Yeah, well, I was going to say too, Parkilla. Uh, I got a chance to talk to him. He was a guy you got to work with too. So you would have had influences from Russia. You had influences when you came over from North America, but also you see 
as a guy who comes from the finish route. So again, when you talk about taking things from every different element, where, where, like, what did you take for, like, what did you like about working with UC and, and the strengths you took from him? I mean, a lot of good stuff. Uh, UC, um, uh, he changed my career. Like when I was uh, 19, uh, uh, you know, I was kind of, I remember that year I was struggling and all like, we were not doing good, like as a team. And then, um, I thought like, what's going on? And then, um, like the all locomotive, they hire UC and UC came in and then we started learning. I started learning new things and I started believing in uh, what I'm doing with him. And then, uh, like month later, two months later, we like, we put a lot of work together and then, um, like it worked out for me, you know, it worked out for a lot of goalies uh, who work with him. I know he worked with uh, Tukarask, like with a lot of Finnish guys uh, back home. He's an incredible goalie coach and then um, he's doing a great job right now for Colorado Avalanche. Um, I mean, I mean, these guys, they're very technical. Uh, um, they, they, they teach you a lot of technique, like on, the, on a daily basis, like over and over, you're kind of doing the, the same movements over and over until you just go on the ice and play. And then you don't think about it like anymore, you know, you just go and play and then everything looks perfect. So that's how they work. Do you remember what it was with UC that year? Like, what was there one or two things? It's like, hey, this really clicked for me. Because you again, I'm sorry, but you know, you're speaking to other goalies, so they're, they're I know they're going to be curious. What was it? What was it? What was it? Um, the the puck control, uh, play without without rebound. Like the, I remember we were doing a lot of skating, um, a lot of uh, position plays. Uh, he was teaching me how to read the game better, how to play ahead of the game, like things like that. And what's changed this year? Another new voice we talked about. Remember when, when you were in Colorado, Frankie, you talked about recovering to the posts. That was a big step for you there in terms of becoming a default in Colorado. Um, what about now? You've got Mitch, you've got Piero, yeah. more voices. Sometimes it's not easy to add voices. How have you integrated to their philosophies and some of the things that they want? I mean, when you're changing the goalie coaches, uh, in the beginning, it's not easy. The, the trans transition is not easy because you learn with the, you work with the one goalie coach he expects to, to play this way, and then uh, over the summer you start working with the uh, with the other goalie coaches, and then they expect you to play that way. Uh, but they don't try to change like entire style. They just try to um, help you to play your best, and then they just try to. Um, add something uh, to your game um, for you to Im improve your game, you know, things like that. So we've been working a lot on uh, positioning. I think positioning is very important when you play in NHL. You always have to be in front of the puck, you know, you, you have to always try to be like ahead of the game. So we, we learn like a lot of things. I mean, if you're going to start talking about it, it's going to be an hour. It's, you know, it's just there's tons of things, but the position is the most important thing. when you see that all these kids coming over to want to learn like that listen it's amazing uh, these guys they have opportunity to come here and then uh, learn from the the best you know um, goalie coaches like uh, they have opportunity to come uh, in Vancouver and then um, uh, work with the guys like Oleg and then Il Clark you know I mean I, I when I was younger I didn't have this kind of opportunity so they better appreciate that <laughs> Um, the parents, they're doing a great job, you know, they pay for everything and they come here and then they have this opportunity. So they have to be very uh, thankful for that. And then they better, they better learn uh, everything they say, you know, because I know it's going to help them in the future. Hey, last one. Number one, you wore it in Colorado. You wore it at the end in Washington. Was there any desire to wear number one here? 
Uh, no, I mean, didn't, didn't ask because I talked to Greiser and he would have been like, yeah, no big deal. Not a big deal for me. You know, I'm like Greiser, he's playing number one. I took number 40 back. I, I started my career with number 40, so I, I play with 40. Like, for me, number is like not a big deal. Thanks, Simon. Really appreciate it. Thank you. There's a couple of parts of that interview, uh, Woody, and I don't know whether Hutch uh, jump in here because uh, I thought it was interesting when he uh, started talking about uh, all the different ways uh, that he deals with in-game situations and uh, and this mental approach in in uh, various forms of uh, of what he thinks about and how he handles uh, a good goal or an early goal or trying to beat the other goalie at the at the other end. You know, it's it's interesting and. This was actually one of our last one-on-one interviews in the NHL. Uh, the next day was when they shut it down. Actually, the, the Canucks room had already been shut down and everything was at a podium that day, but the Islanders were still bringing guys out to do one-on-one interviews. I was the only guy that wanted to talk to Varlamov. And so one of the reasons that we dug so much into that sort of self-talk and how you get yourself through that game, Darren, is because I was doing a column on it, you know, uh, to, you know, in all honesty, full transparency, I was doing a column on it, starting with NHL.com. And then uh, we've continued that column with some extra tidbits at Ingold Magazine Premium, where there are elements that, you know, it, it's a broader brush, broader audience at NHL. So we don't publish all the in-depth answers that we get. And so the extended ones go to Ingold Premium. So that's why I was pressing so much on that. But I agree with you. I thought that was fascinating. The other part was just, you know, listening to him talk to all the different voices he's had over the years. And how many of those voices are NHL goalie coaches? Uh, you know, even a guy like UC Parkilla, who wasn't in the NHL when Varley first started working with him over in Russia, but actually played a role in UC getting that job in Colorado. And now a guy who, you know, the first European goalie coach to get a chance to come over and work in the NHL and has had a lot of success in Colorado. And a guy we hope to have on the podcast soon as you, know, you, you see some of these restrictions. He's a guy that I'm allowed to talk to from the Colorado Avalanche, but doesn't generally do interviews, but he's fantastic to talk to. So Anytime we sort of get that, it's interesting to hear guys, you know, they all work with different gurus and some of them, you know, more closely with one than the other, but that advice goes, it, it sort of stays consistent throughout, right? Like tools in the toolbox. You're not, not everything you're taught. And I think this applies to something we published on Ingo Premium this week, Paddle Down on Wraparounds with James Reimer, uh, Roberto Luongo in Florida, Robbie Tallis showing us the why, the, the whens, the hows, uh, part two of that coming out this week. It's not for everyone, but the key is you try it. You try these different things. You try to learn from different guys like Oleg does, and you keep what you like and you discard what you don't. But the whole key is to sort of continuously be an active learner and seek out new ideas, new opinions, so you're constantly developing. Uh, Varlamov and that uh, discussion about uh, in-game scenarios and the mental side of it reminded uh, me, Hutch, of, uh, of that discussion that we had at the draft last year with with Martin Brodeur and how he dealt with uh, with moments during the game where he wasn't getting a lot of action and he put his mask up and he just stare off into the stands as, as his mental uh, timeout. I think it's a topic that's becoming increasingly more important and we've we've said for how many years that goaltending is 70 percent 80 percent 90 percent mental pick a pick a number and now we're seeing people uh, dial it in now and, and try and get to the heart of the matter. And so it's, it's actually something kids can be working on. Well, as we talked about just a little bit earlier, it's something you actually can be working on now as we're, we're not on the ice is uh, looking at some of those 
parts of your game so that you're ready when you do step on the ice. And yeah, having some routines are good. Did did you have a routine, Darren? Uh, yeah, uh, skate to the bench and stay there. Yeah, yeah. That, that <laughs> gen, gen, generally was my my routine. Uh, no, that was that was it was an area that I really struggled with. Yeah, yeah. Woody skates to the bench and grabs a different stick. Right. The uh, you yeah. know what I used to do was was one of my uh, when you think of it now was uh, it was a real detriment was if if I got scored on early I'd start doing math like I'm on pace to a, like for a goals against average of 23 in this game if yeah. I had two in the first like that kind of thing and 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 you never really learned the uh, the, the the tools to be uh, mentally stronger and be able to push that uh, that out and you're so dialed in for the entire game that you it was tough to maintain. And, and now you're hearing that that's not necessarily how you need to approach it. Hey, listen, you're not alone, Darren. I've talked to guys in the NHL that have had to find ways to stop doing math in their head. They think about say percentage during a game, geez, I got to stop the next 10 or I'm going to be below 900. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not kidding. There are still guys. Fascinating. There are still guys that struggle with that a little bit. And sometimes it's guys that will obsess over their stats over the course of a season. They'll get a little, a little too focused. I uh, remember Nick Habibulin telling me that after moving to Edmonton, um, where his stats took a beating because the team wasn't great, he had to really actively, consciously, you know, sort of find ways to not pay attention to those things because they weren't necessarily a reflection of how he was playing, but that's how he'd all, always sort of assessed his own game and, and sort of his self-value was through some of those statistics. So there are guys right up to the NHL now that still struggle with those types of problems. Uh, it was interesting in doing the story and and you can read, you know, parts of it at NHL.com and a more a deeper look at at uh, in goal premium. But you know, for some guys, it's simply how do I reset after a goal? And there can be mantras that they go to. Uh, we can you got Holpe and and Carter Hart squirting the water bottle to and picking a drop to follow. That's a refocus. Uh, for other guys, it really is like like self confidence, like like trying to build themselves back up despite, I mean, Antti Ranta telling me that he has told himself the same thing for seven, eight, nine years in the NHL. And they're basically different sort of reinforcements that, hey, you've done this before. You're good enough. Keep, you know, you're good enough to make these saves. You don't suck, basically. A more positive reinforcement if you don't suck. And then Devin Dubnik, who we got into a little bit more in depth at Ingle Premium, where he's actually you know, dialing in on certain technical and tactical elements that he finds are staples of his game and knows when they wander, so is his ability to perform. I mean, you know, you asked what yours is personally. I got I got three. I just, the sort of mantra that uh, I say to myself is posture, position, pucks. And posture is sort of a biomechanical setup that I know, a stance and a setup that I know is going to allow me to move uh, in a way that gives me access to pucks that makes me feel efficient. Position is making sure I don't retreat too much and, and give too much away by being passive. And pucks is just watch the puck and compete. And so, you know, different guys have different phrases, different sayings. That happens to be mine because it's easy to remember. And it's amazing when things start to slip and you start thinking about, you know, how many goals you've given up or God, I blew this lead. We're up 3-1 and now it's 3-3 versus just going back to something that's your foundation. Like in my, again, in my case, I get low level. Well, that sounds league. really similar to Mika Kippersov and what he used to do uh, with with the reset five R's. Right. Do you remember what they are? Might be time for an article to get published on this, boys. 
how fast can I Google while talking? <laughs> Five R's. Yes. No, can but I that, spell? Can I still spell Kippersoft properly? Kippersoft was the first one that that I realized had a, a real routine that that you could see happen uh, after a goal, where the mask would come up and mm-hmm. and you could see him see him going through it. Uh, Ron Hexall had a routine, but it was uh, slightly more violent and uh, and harder on sticks. But uh, there is uh, there is that scenario where where Kippersoft really went through it uh i don't know whether you want to call it uh uh step by step but uh but it, there there was a there was a significant uh, process to it well and 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 I'm again I'm trying to find it cuz I'm pretty sure we published it at angle and the credit goes to David Marcou who was the goalie coach of the Calgary Flames at the time right. later worked with uh the Carolina Hurricanes and still does some coaching obviously has Marcou goalie schools uh in 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 Alberta, Calgary. Is it Cal- Calgary? Yeah, Calgary. Calgary. Yeah. I couldn't remember if it was Calgary or Edmonton. And I remember him going over this with us, and I'm pretty sure we published an article on it, but the five R's are release, relax, review, regroup, and refocus. And so you know, I remember talking to Mika Kippersoff about this, about just the sort of, again, that that active technique that allows you to let go. It's all about staying in the moment, right? Um, and let go of that past goal, reflect on it for a period of time, but then move along quickly because if you're still thinking about the last one that went in, chances are the next one might too. Hutch, we went down a rabbit mm-hmm. hole. We did. We could have a whole episode on this, couldn't we? Maybe time to bring Pete in. I was thinking, you know, two things as you were talking there, and and one is, you know, there's no substitute for experience, and and that experience needs to. I've often said that I, you know, in in an ideal world, you would you would raise a goaltender much the way you you bring a boxer along in their career you know, where they try and find them something just a little bit above their level each time to increase that confidence, increase that ability. Um, you know, if a goaltender jumps in, in too, too fast, uh, it, it's hard to pull that confidence back. You can have all the techniques that you want for resetting, but they need to have some foundation in, in some success so that there's some real belief. I mean, it doesn't matter how many water bottles you squirt into the air and how many skates into the corner you take. And unless you can fall back and know that you've done this before, as Auntie Renta talked about, uh, they're not going to work. So, so you really need that experience. It's incredibly important. The other thing I was thinking about and all that was, um, it's interesting, Kevin, that you, you, you mentioned guys doing the stats in their head, because I think we've now come to a point where, where the stats are also a benefit to guys because it, you know, in the day it used to be, yeah, you were worried about goals against average and save percentage, but, but now having some of this more advanced statistics give you an opportunity to actually step back from the game and say, okay, is, is it as bad as I thought it is? Or, or did I actually do, do reasonably well here? Now, now you can look at them goal by goal and maybe, a, I mean, we know a 900 is not a 900 depending on the shot quality, the situation and so on. And, uh, and so that ability to be able to analyze things a little bit more and look at process over results, uh, I think is, is a big step that we've taken in the game that help kids with their mental approach. Kids, I say kids, all goaltenders, really. Well, that's one of the biggest things that I hear from NHL goaltenders. I, I've written that story a couple of times at the NHL, and it's, it's kind of a reoccurring theme because pe- people struggle to believe it. But one of the biggest challenges, even at that level, is not always looking to change just because the results get poor. And usually it requires your goalie coach going through the goals and going through video and be like, listen, like sometimes you're going to get a run of bounces like this. Like, so let's look at it. 
what would you have done differently here? And, and quite often as these guys go back through that process, it's like, well, honestly, not really anything. So yeah, okay, we gave up three and yeah, maybe we might've tried this differently here. But you know, at the end of the day, sometimes pucks go in. They find their ways mm-hmm. in in crazy ways. It's an odd shaped object. And if you get obsessed with the results and you can't separate the process, you can quickly try and look for changes that aren't even necessary. And you know, again, right up to the NHL level, some of the best guys in the world Vesna Trophy winners and All-Stars have told me the same thing, that uh, that can be one of the hardest parts of this process is trusting your process when, th- when it's not leading to results that everyone else can see or measure. Just uh, one more on the Varlamov conversation. And it's, it's not a, an opinion that I hear a lot of, but it was certainly the way I approached it. Uh, and I was interested to hear him say it, was that he plays the other guy. Uh, the other goaltender, and not that not the game, and that's that's not uh, sort of the norm in in the National Hockey. The you usually hear is I don't care what that guy does; I focus on on exactly what's going on in my end. But I thought that was uh, that was interesting, Woody. Well, I got to be honest. When I heard it again on the replay, I, I kind of kicking myself uh, in the ass, saying, "Good interviewer, buddy," because I, I frankly I wanted to follow it up. And I wish I'd followed it up because it was so odd to hear that. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure a lot of goalie coaches or sports psychs would recommend it. Um, I think most probably wouldn't. So, so why I, not? Well, because again, you can't it's, control what they're doing. I mean, yeah, it's like, it's like w- watching that guy. How many times have you talked about a goalie where they struggle with maintaining their focus um, when they're not busy and it's hardest? Your team's peppering the other guy. He's making 30 saves. You're watching him and you're focused on what he's doing. And if your mindset is, man, he's playing so well, I better stop the next one. I'm, I'm not busy at all. Like, that's not what you want, right? You can't be thinking about what the other guy's doing. At least that's the way we're taught from a sports psych mentality and from most goalie coaches that I've talked to about it. So again, I was surprised to hear it. I was kicking myself after hearing it that I didn't follow up. But don't forget, you know, again, one-on-one situation, just sort of chatting outside the locker room, one-on-one, sometimes guys... Yeah, you know, I'm curious how deeply that is part of his philosophy versus just a, you know, a, a comment he makes to me. So mm-hmm. I, again, next time I have an opportunity to follow it up, we will for sure. Yeah, cut yourself some slack, okay? I suck. <laughs> I suck. And this is this is how I talk to myself in the crease too. I'm just I need I need like a a quick three, you know, easy to follow three keyword reset while I'm doing interviews. All right, we're gonna bring That's Pete. A, we're gonna bring Pete on, and he can create a reset routine for interviews. Oh my There's goodness! There's his challenge. Uh, Pete, Pete, he would have a field day with the three of us. I was doing the same thing when we started the uh, the podcast uh, when I uh, I got uh, Oleg's last name mixed up, but uh, Romashenko, right? <laughs> I, I just because I can. Romashko, uh, Oleg Romashko uh, is part of our second feature interview on this uh, edition. As we travel down the Russian road, and I'm not going to uh, give too much away in the intro, but uh, one thing that does uh, stick out in this is uh, the ability to feel the game as a netminder. Here's uh, Kevin once again with Oleg Romushko. All right, so part two of this week's interview, we're gonna sit, we're gonna talk with uh, Oleg Romashko. Now, you heard Semyon Varlamov talk about him, good friend of his, in the interview that we ran just before. Let's start with this trip. You're bringing young Russian goaltenders over, chance to work with Ian Clark, chance to get on the ice with these guys, chance to have Semyon come and speak with them. How long have you been doing this with with Clarkie? 
how many years going back to the Columbus days and, and walk me through sort of the whole goal and the whole idea behind this trip. Yeah, I've been doing uh, this uh, kind of uh, camps with Clark. Uh, I don't know, is this uh, seventh year so far? And everything go, going good. It's, uh, I think it's a uh, whole idea about uh, for those goals who come over over here uh, about dream, you know? You have, in my opinion, you have to f see the dream, you know, what you want, uh, want, want to achieve in your career, you know? That's why I create this kind of project to bring guys over here. First of all, in Columbus, now it's Vancouver. And, and, and just to give a plug, it's Goalie Masters is the name of the school? Yes. Okay, right. and so you've been bringing them over. So when you went to Columbus, they would have also had a chance to meet and see Sergei Bobrovsky work. Um, I know they had a chance to have Varley come in the room the other night. What do you think that means to young Russian? I mean, there's so many Russian goaltenders in the league right now. Um, some up-and-coming prospects as well. Do you th has that sparked back home an increase in the number of people that want to play the position? Yeah, I think so. Uh, it, it's good for ru Russian goalies because uh, now it's Shostorkin showed up in uh, Rangers. So many uh, Russian goalies keep coming into NHL. That's good uh, for other Russian goalies, like young goalies. It's a kind of good example if uh, how to know how to get uh, I know in the NHL. You know if you go. See the guys uh, like Bobrovsky, Varlamov, Shristorkin, uh, all these guys, uh, as an example, it's, I think it's good for them. And, and when you talk about coming over and seeing the dreams, it's not only yeah. getting to see those goaltenders, but getting to see how hard they work. I mean, I don't know that there's many guys that work harder than Bob. What do, you, do you think that opens some young eyes in terms of what well, it yeah, takes? Yeah, that's the main idea. Yeah. First of all, practice, how they practice. How they do on practice, then how it work, how it works in the games, how it it helps in the game, uh, yeah. After that, they start uh, understand it a little a little bit faster about uh, goal development, how it should be looks like. Now, walk me through the relationship with Ian. How long have you known Ian, and where did this all start? Uh, it's my ninth year. So far with Ian, the, the story, the simple story, uh, before the um, Columbus, I've been learning uh, in Finland six years, yeah, with some Finn guy. And after that, I said to myself, I stopped to develop. I need, I need more. I, I took already everything from the Finn guy and I have to go like uh, further. Kind of like goalies learn new things, put tools in the toolbox. You're just looking to add new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I call Varley and say, well, I, I have some idea to come over and learn more from your, your goalie coach, Francois Allaire. He said, okay, come, come on, come over. And I came to Denver, but he wasn't there. He, he was gone, Allaire. And we talked with, uh, we talked with uh, Varley and he said, hey, uh, you should call Sergey. He has a really, really good goalie coach, Ian Clark. 
talk with him. And I called, I called back to uh, Sergey and I said, hey, Sergey, uh, I have some idea. <laughs> Can you talk with Ian? Is it possible if I come, all, come down and learn something from him? If it's going to be uh, just three hours, don't worry, I will come for just three hours. Yeah. It's not a problem. Just ask. Seven years later. Yeah. And he said, he called me back and he said, yeah. Said, Ian said, come over. It's not a problem. We'll see. And I started, and I came, came over to Columbus and uh, started working with him. He started learning, started learning and teach me. I started learning from him. He started teaching me a lot of good stuff. And I said, can I come again? He said, we'll see. Yeah, I, I'm, call, I'm called back to Ian and said, can I, can I come? He said, sure. And I started coming like three times a year for learning from Ian Clark. And now it's, we are friends, like good friends. And he keep teaching me, like, and I keep learning from him a lot. As a, first of all, as a person, he's a good, really good person, number one. And second one is a really, really good goalie coach. Yeah. So, so what's goalie development look like back home for you right now? Is it, I mean, you obviously have a goalie school. How much goalie coaching is available to kids, you know, through minor hockey, the equivalent of minor hockey, like just their teams when they're young? How much of it is private goalie schools like yourselves? What's, what's the model look like back home that's allowing for all the success we're seeing right now in your mind? Yeah, in, back, back in Russia, we have a lot of, right now, it's, it's, a, it's a lot of goal, goal, different goalie schools, a lot of young, young coaches. Yeah. Each kid's school in Russia, they have uh, one of two, or two goalie coaches for whole ages, you know, for whole school. Then MHL, goalie coach, VHL is pro league, and KHL, of course, they have uh, goalie coaches as well. Yeah, but it's different. Some, some goalie coaches try to teach some Swedish um, program, some mix, some from YouTube, a lot of them from YouTube. Yeah, just be, those guys think that uh, it's enough. Just give the, some drills and that's it. No details, nothing. That's the problem over there. Yeah. Right, and you know details are huge yeah, for clarity. Yeah, everything in details, yeah. So um, I'd heard uh, the MHL at one point a few years ago, you mentioned the Swedish influence, actually bought the Sw and had the Swedish manual translated. Do you know if that's... No, I no. Okay, I'd heard that. Yeah. Um, what do you think? I talked to some of the, when I talked to some of the guys, like Varley, when he was younger... Um, uh, Georgiev, obviously, when he was younger, they talked about the training when they were little, being almost old school in, in, in terms of the style, a lot of like dating back to Tretiak stuff. But is there still, there's still value there because they seem to learn like skating and fundamentals of movement. Like, do, do you see a lot of value in the way that's sort of taught at a young age? Or are we seeing now, like you said, more schools? Is it more technical at a young age? What, where is it at? Because when these players are arriving and growing up, like it, the skill level, the foundation seem to be off the charts. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, like back in the oldies, yeah, we don't have uh, goalie coaches. Yeah. 
now, my opinion, that's the biggest problem right now because too much technique. They're teaching too much, too much technique. Technique, 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 that's it. And plus size. And they think that's a good idea to develop of the goalies. But the reason you... The reason some of these guys have had success is they didn't go too much technique yeah. when they were younger. Yeah, it, 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 my opinion, technique is just thirty percent of goalie. Otherwise, compete eyes, hands, reactivity, a lot of different thing. Reading game, yeah. But they try to teach just technique, 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 like robotics. You know, that's the problem in Swedish in Sweden. A lot of technique, 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 techniques. And you're seeing it become in Russia. I, I had this conversation. Um, I'm trying to think of who was telling me recently. Same kind of thing where uh, Hudobin, Anton, Hudobin. right? Yeah. Didn't have a goalie coach till he was 18 yeah. or 19. And then he met Nabby. And Nabby was yeah. his goalie. Yeah. And a lot of old school stuff. Yeah. But again, skill-based. And he feels like when he goes home, yeah. at a very young age, they're all trying to be Sergei Bobrovsky. They're all trying to be yeah. Semyon Varlamov. Are you seeing that as, as a problem? We're getting away from yeah. the skills at a young yeah. age? Yeah, uh, like... Uh, Two, two, three years ago, it was, uh, you know, it's, it's fun for me. A lot of goalies try to copy of Bobrovsky. I, to, I, I told them it's just only one Bobrovsky in this world. You ne you're never going to be Bobrovsky. It's just one Bobrovsky in, in the world. Stop, stop copy and uh, take your time for your own development. Don't spend... Uh, don't waste the time uh, on the, try to be copy. Just uh, sp spend maximum time on your own development, on your own create, on your own system. Yeah, a lot of copies. Yeah, in Russia. Do you think uh, does the KHL deserve some credit? I mean, they put in some rules to make sure that one of the goalies was from Russia. Do you think like has that played a role in development as opposed to just going out and finding goalies from around the world and bringing them in? making sure that you've got homegrown goalies in the KHL. Do you think that's played a role in development as well, giving opportunities or? No, no, not really. We have, uh, in KHL, we have uh, a, lot, a lot of important goalies. But, no, but there still has to be one of each, right? Like you can't just have import goalies or am I wrong? Yeah, uh, no, you can't. No, okay. no, they, they took away this kind of rule. Okay. Yeah, you can have like uh, two important goalies. Yeah. But it's, uh, it's, uh, how to say, you can, it's, it's allowed just to five uh, guys, uh, important guys in the game. That's why if you have uh, like uh, two important goalies and one goal is just back up doing nothing, it means you cut one spot in uh, forwards or defense. That's why it's, it, it doesn't work in KHL like that. One important goalie, usually it's a starting goalie because he gets a lot of money. <laughs> Which, but, but it probably helps then that there's still development time and there's a spot for somebody who's yeah. homegrown. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, other other guys is they Russian, they Russians. Yeah, goalies. Yeah, now I don't know. Maybe few team, few teams have a uh, import goalie. We've seen in past years Henrik Lundqvist has success, and there's a boom in Swedish goaltending. Uh, Mika Kiprasov with yeah. the Calgary Flames yeah. and a boom in Finnish goaltending. Although in both cases there were programs there uh, for goalies. Who's the guy right now in Russia? I'd heard it was Sergey, but with so many good young goalies, like are, do kids still want to be Bob, or or are we seeing guys watching Igor and the success he's had in 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 New York? Um, mm. 
Samsonov with early success in Washington? Like, who's the guy that every kid wants to be right now? Is it still Bob? Uh, now it's hard to say because... It, so many. We, yeah, as we know, Bob, unfortunately, doing not good right now. I hope he can get back to his, like, good condition. Yeah, I wish. Yeah, because I like Sergey. He's a hardworking guy, very talented. I hope he's going to find his uh, game back. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, right now. It's the someone wants to bob, someone wants to be Warley. It's depend of like you know who's your favorite goalie. Yeah, but a lot of guys just dream it about the NHL. Yeah, because if somebody can do it, it means I can do it too. I I need just uh, put hard work in, and the results will come. Like we know. Yeah, and uh, talented, of course. And plus size, yeah. Never heard. What do you think about size? Is it so important here? Well, obviously, it's it's really important in terms of what NHL teams think and how they evaluate. Yeah. I think it's been overdone. Uh, ah. Personally, I think that there's probably a perfect size, maybe six three, six three, yeah, and that anytime you go outside of that frame, yeah, whether it's bigger or smaller you have to overcome size. Bigger have to overcome movement yeah, yeah, yeah. and opening holes. Smaller guys have to overcome coverage. The difference is the bigger guy's going to get chance after yeah, chance yeah, after yeah, chance, yeah, and yeah. the smaller guy's not. Is that the same back home? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, it, it, like, for example, in KHL, they don't care about size. If you At stop all. the pucks, yeah, you're good goalie. You're going to play every game. You're going to get an opportunity. Yeah, you're going to get an opportunity. It doesn't matter about size. Yeah, of course, it's better if you go like 6'6 six, six or 6'3, six, 6'2, six, that is good. But like... Uh, Do you think 6'6, no, 6'7 six, six, is too big sometimes? Yeah, I think it's 6'7, it's like Bishop. Yeah, it's, I think it's too big. Yeah. So yeah, big. so same, same idea, right? Like, yeah, yeah. There's extremes on either side. Yeah, for smaller goals, you have to be a great reader and you have to be good uh, with your, your engine, your legs. Or Yeah. And plus, good positional. That's that's three main things for the smaller goaler. You just described you just described Alexander Georgiev. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What about Saros? He's uh, my size. Yeah, I have five eleven. Yeah, it but he's good. But he can play because he's a good reader, good reaction, good hands, good uh, engine. You know, and plus, he's a good on position. Good skater. Yeah, good skater. That's what I mean. Like engine. Yeah, engine. I call engine your leg. Goal is legs. Yeah. And how much of that, like, so So when you're working with young kids, and it's interesting to hear this from yep. you, because I think as a, as a goalie coach over there, it might be really, you know, like, you can sell technique, right? Like, hey, yeah. come to my school, I'll teach you how yeah, to be yeah, like yeah, Bob, yeah. but you don't say that. No. How much of, how much of sort of that old school skating stuff is still reflected in your coaching, especially for little kids at a young age? Yeah, like, uh, like I said, uh, back in Russia, like I said, I missed, I missed old school a little bit you know why because too much butterfly right now too much yes too much butterfly everybody i call it this butterfly goalie who just drop down and, and expect that butterfly going to stop all pucks but it is not going to happen you have to do more than butterfly yeah use your hands react from your feet all this thing yeah so i was gonna say who are some of the guys that you've worked with that like like do you, have you had do you Coming up, the guys like Shishterkin and Sorokin, you, you have a chance to watch them over there a lot? Do you get to know them at all? Have you worked with some of them? Yeah, I worked with Ilya Sorokin, yeah. And uh, like years year ago, I analyzed 
I, I, I did an, analyze games, games analyze for him. You know, we do video conference with him. Like, uh, should New York Islanders fans be really excited? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Two Russian goalies. I told Warley, yeah, next year two Russian goalies. That'd be great. What What do you like about his game? What do you think are for for fans of the Islanders and just of goaltending in general? What are they going to see from Sorokin? Because I look at Samsonov and Shesterkin. Yeah. And they're both having success. I mean, obviously, yeah. Igor's having crazy success. Oh, yeah. But very, very different goaltenders. Yeah. I mean, Samsonov last year, a little rough in his movements. Yeah, yeah, not yeah, very yeah. refined and polished. And Igor is. Where, where does Sorokin fit in that scale? Uh, uh, I think it's not going to be a problem for Sorokin. You know why? Because he has a big potential. Yeah. My opinion... Uh, same as Sergey, but I think it's over. But it's my over more, more. potential, more talented. Yeah. Is it, is it the end? What is it? Is it the everything. engine? Is it everything. the hands? Like everything. He's got everything. Like uh, good eyes, good hands, good engine, patient feet. That's the important too. Yeah. And I think he's going to have success in the NHL. Maybe not at the start, like Shesterkin, but uh, we'll see. Well, he had to take some time to get yeah, used to the game. Course. Even Shesterkin spent time in the yeah, AHL. Different, used, yeah, rank. different, different life, different country, different system, dif different hockey. Yeah, okay. he need to get used to it. Um, I think it shouldn't be a problem for him. Okay, last one because I don't want you to miss your flight back home. Number one goalie in the draft this year, Askarov. What, what, any experience with him? Do you know him much? You get to watch him much? Uh, not that much. All but I know is he catches with the wrong hand. Yeah, like me. I'm a, yeah. Oh, sorry. I didn't yeah. mean to, you know, not casting, no shade. <laughs> About Oscarov. Yeah, he's a good goalie, very talented goalie. But uh, remember the last World Junior Championship? Right. Too early. That's my opinion. As a starter goalie, it's too early for him. But next year, maybe next year after, he's going to be better and better. But he's very talented. Give me one name that's not on everybody's radar. One guy that, you know, we're all looking at the bit. Because everybody looks at the same guys, right? The three that we've named. Just give me a name in Russia that you think that nobody's talking about that could come over here and play. Come over. Come over and, yeah, and, yeah. and, have no, and, and maybe a little transition. I mean, we look at a guy like Pavel Francouz. I know yeah. he's not Russian, but he played in the KHL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One yeah. year in the AHL, and now he's like a 930 guy over here. Is there a name over there that you look at and you think this guy could If come we're over? talking about KHL or just Either one. Any, any Russian? I'm, I'm putting you on the spot I here. Expect, anyone. You know, I expect, you know, Ivan Prosvetov. If Arizona yeah. Coyotes Nobody's talking about him. Yep. Especially in Russia. Nothing. Zero. But he's, I, I expect to him that he's going to play in the NHL. Very talented goalie. Tall, he's like a pecorino, but more clear, you know, clearer, like yep. more cleaner, uh, cleaner. This way, yeah, There's sorry, yeah. yeah, cleaner, yeah, okay. yeah, I work with him, yeah. All right, perfect. Hey, listen, I don't want to cause you to miss your flight, yeah. so we're going to cut this off right now. We got almost 20 minutes of gold between you and Varley. This is like a half hour episode already. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking the time. Have a great trip back, and good on you for bringing the kids and getting to see this. It's a pretty cool initiative, yeah. Thanks a lot. Oleg Ramashko, there's a, a guy that uh, has some interesting opinions, and the best part of it was he, Woody, still believes that there's a strong part of the game for feel, not just 
fundamentals and and positioning. I'm not surprised, given the fact that he's developed a relationship with Ian Clark, who I think has a reputation, or at least used to have a reputation as being so um, technique-focused and got branded as a technical goalie coach. And certainly, technique is a big part of what he does, but it's interesting to me, and we've had him on the podcast, two-parter with Clark. Uh, we heard it from Andrew Raycroft, right? Talked about all the work he did with Ian Clark and he made a save. And right. you know, people were surprised to hear that that save was not based on technique. It was based on other elements of athleticism and things like that. And, um, you know, talking to Ian Clark about his, his young son, who's, who's his youngest son, who's a goalie now, I think in the nine, 10 year old range and how he's, he just wants him to go out there and compete. He's not dialing in technique. He's not worried about that part of the game yet. So not surprised to hear that, despite what other people may think. I'm not surprised to hear that a guy working that closely with Ian feels that way. How much do you uh, talk about technique when it comes to saves with your son, Hutch? Uh, because we get so focused on goals and breaking down what we may have done right or wrong uh, in in the situation where a puck gets in. But do you do you discuss save selection uh, when? the the puck stays out uh not not in that sense in in um what i like to do is is we don't nitpick it at much in games to be honest because i also believe that you have to give kids an opportunity to uh to explore uh to develop that feel uh, I, I i believe that both can be done i i don't want to see uh we're we're a sport that really lives in pendulums you know some something happens, so everybody runs to one side, and then we get a new opinion, and suddenly everybody runs to the other side. And I, I think there's room for for middle ground here, and uh, I think we can teach some good basic technique, but then I think we have to give uh, young goaltenders an opportunity just to take that and explore it on their own, and see how they apply it, and see what it does for them. And another theme from today's podcast: have as many different tools as possible in the toolkit, and then and then try them out. And yeah, there'll be the odd thing that, and the odd time when we'll want to dial in on something. But for the most part, we want to give lots of opportunities just to try things. Uh, there, there can be some, some sort of basics that we would like to focus on at any one time, uh, in terms of positioning, in terms of movement, in terms of uh, beating, beating a pass on your feet. These sort of things we can, we can look at. But, but we don't really nitpick about a particular save selection. What I like to do, if I gave my little tip of the day here for goalie coaches or or coaches who aren't goalie coaches um i like to pick out one thing that they do that maybe nobody else would see it's sort of my highlight of the game but it was something that's relatively small so it's not about oh that was awesome when you dove over there and caught that puck on the back door chance i mean of course we all love to high five and celebrate those things uh or elbow tap these days um but but i like to pick out a little highlight like that was just incredible on that pass to the back door where you beat that on your feet and you were set and ready. And maybe the, maybe the shot missed the net, who knows? Um, but it, uh, it's an old teacher's trick, right? Catch them being good and they'll keep doing it over and over again. Uh, focus on the bad and, and you're not really going to get a lot of support. So there you go. It's funny. I asked that question because we've all screwed up plays so badly and still found a way to make a save and, mm -hmm. and, or, or we just, don't play the, the the situation properly and we still make the save and we don't necessarily reflect on that but if we make the wrong choice and the puck goes in it becomes a talking point no but we'll actually do the opposite so sometimes 
after a game, gosh, even in between periods, um, Maddie or his partner, uh, something like that has happened. And we, we have a little chuckle and we'll say, oh, I, I bet you the head coach looked at that and said, that was an unbelievable save. But the three of us know, got real lucky there. Um, it's, an, it's a nice right. way of sort of reinforcing the right thing at the same time, uh, learning that it's okay, just let it go. And, and it's also another reason I don't focus too much on goals because if we're going to teach kids, they have to learn to let it go. Well, we better let it go. Uh, I watched uh, the other night uh, one of those uh, classic games, and uh, I'll, I'll bring it up because it kind of fits into this conversation. It was a, a playoff game between Martin Brodeur and Dominic Hasek. Oh, gosh, and, yes. And uh, Hasek had the uh, the shutout in it. And it 70 was two, saves. Yeah, two totally different styles, but guys making saves and, and, uh, and coming up with uh, second effort stops, but coming at the, the game from one from the past, and one from somewhere, not even the future, like just just a <laughs> left turn, and uh, and it was it was fascinating to watch from from those. And I'm curious see how some of that style, whether that seeps into our thinking, and as a reminder of of different ways that you can make saves. So, Woody. Well, I mean, one part here is we've already talked about this year with Robin Lehner, uh, with Craig Anderson, in past interviews on the podcast when the season was still going on. And one of the elements that was it would have been a part of that watching Marty is that patience in making saves without defaulting down and where that patience comes from and how we're seeing an increase for the need uh, to have that type of patient in the patients in the NHL today. Robin Lehner talking about that, getting it from, you know, Craig Anderson to, to not always drop the two knees to make half butterfly saves you know, on the glove side, because you need to take away more up high glove, things like that elements that are coming back. And when it comes to Dom, I got to say, um, there was a method to that madness. One of my, you know, some of my favorite interviews over the years, they were always, they were never as extended back then, but anytime I got a chance to, especially when he's with the Red Wings and he'd be in late for the massage and he'd sit down and, and talk a little bit of goaltending with you. My favorite of all time is the barrel roll and how he talks specifically. And we have, we have this on Ingle Meg, uh, the free website still, where he talks about specific safe situation. This is the reaction. This is why I did it this way. You know, and funny, the paddle down stuff that we have this week with Talis and Reimer, again, just using that blocker and, and that paddle down and forcing the guy out and knowing that once he'd forced him out, his hands were extended so he couldn't raise it. And then by the time he was able to raise it or if he dragged it around him, he'd roll over and lay that arm down. And now if that guy did have enough time to still had enough time to pull it back and raise it, well, he'd roll over and bring the legs up. And he's like, what do you know? I am basically in a butterfly. The only difference is my arms are now my <laughs> inverted. My yeah, my arms are now my legs, and my legs are now my torso. And that was how Dom thought through that save. He was ahead of the curve on so many things. He thought the game. I I've, I can't remember. I, I know it's been written. I know I've written it. I think he's a he has the like sort of a grandmaster ability in chess. And when he played hockey, it was always one or two moves like chess ahead of regular mortals and. Some of those saves, everybody will say he was unorthodox, but believe me, there was a method to the madness. And getting a chance to talk to him about it a couple times over the years was, you know, frankly, the highlight so far of a 20-year career writing. Well, and it was so unique that it threw players off because they hadn't seen it before and wow. they were encountering it. So they, they, were, they were flummoxed well, because, and that of, goes, uh, because of that difference. And that goes back to what did we talk about it just earlier? Unpredictability, yeah. right? That, right. That, that need to be unpredictable and how that's coming back into the game. So it all kind of ties well, in. 
we were uh, predictably long uh, because uh, we thought we'd be in and out of this uh, with a couple of feature interviews and uh, down our merry road. But uh, instead, it's been uh, a fun conversation uh, as as this is the one consistent part about this is uh, we, we kind of brainstorm uh, without actually thinking we're brainstorming. We come up with uh, some ideas for uh, for future articles or future interviews. And uh, that comes from Semyon Varlamov and his mental approach and uh, Oleg Ramashko and his idea that not every goaltender has to be the same. Uh, so it's been a lot of fun. For Kevin Woodley, David Hutchison, I'm Darren Millard. Not all roads lead to glory, but this one ran straight to Russia with love on In Goal Radio, the podcast. Mm-hmm.